You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today, the business at hand is the business of precision team flying, flying high, flying fast, and flying creatively. We have two highly skilled professionals that both work in different roles to bring some of the most thrilling performances any spectator can ever expect to see so that in advance in advance of this week's air show wings over georgia at the russell regional airport in rome georgia which is about 75 miles north of atlanta um, and there may be listeners uh, who will be flying in from uh, distant parts of the country or the world to the show you never know but we're going to be talking to both rob skelton and rob holland and we're going to go behind the scenes to learn more about these exciting performances. Uh, along with the Blue Angels striking a- across the sky, spectators are going to be treated to some real incredible acro- aerobatic rather flying on the, on the globe, some of the, the finest aerobatic flying anywhere in the world. So in the first half of the program, we're going to be talking to Rob Skelton, who is a former Thunderbird and who is the Blue Angels liaison, and Rob's going to be sharing insight into what it takes to be a Blue Angel and what it takes to oversee the critical details that allow the Blue Angels to perform as a team. He'll be talking about being a member of the Thunderbirds and a little bit about his Air Force career as well. Then in the second half of the program, we'll be talking to Rob Holland, one of the world's most decorated, innovative, and highly respected air show performers. Um, let's dive right in with Rob Skelton, who is a former Thunderbird with the Air Force and who is the uh, official Blue Angel liaison for this show at um, the Russell Regional Airport, Wings Over, Georgia. Welcome to the Business Hour, Rob. Well, well, Ron, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to visit with you for a few moments this morning uh, and also with Rob Holland uh, it's a real pleasure to be with you. Thank you very much. Well, I'm certain that a lot of our listeners are wondering what a Blue Angels liaison does. So why don't we start with having you tell us a little bit about what that role entails. Absolutely. Uh, every air show that both the Blue Angels, the Thunderbirds, the, uh, the Army Golden Knights, uh, which is the Precision Parachute Team of 10, uh, asks ask for an individual from each organizing air show to, to work with them to set up their support requirements, uh, fueling, maintenance, support facilities, uh, hangaring, parking, uh, advanced pilot meetings, and that sort of thing. So that's really been my role, and, and that's ha- that happens at every air show. You know, 20 or 30 air shows around the summer uh, provide an individual, and so you, you work with the team for about six months in advance uh, to make sure all their support commitments are, uh, are met. In fact, we're we're just finishing up one of those events as I speak, uh, uh, one of the public affairs events for the team. Uh, and so um, we, we get a chance to work real closely with them and, and make sure all the requirements that are, are necessary for military aircraft are taken care of. Was there a briefing this morning that you attended? Yeah, well, the, the briefing's going on as we speak. Uh, every, every air show we, we do pilot safety briefings for our performers. Uh, all the military teams that are with us, the warbird teams that are with us, uh, our civilian performers like Rob, uh, and so 
that that briefing is just finishing up, and uh, we, we talk about the specifics of, of the weather for the day, any safety uh, concerns, our, our emergency response plan that we've gone over with uh, with our uh, our uh, support agencies for that. So it, it's it's no small feat, uh, you know, to put on uh, what would seemingly come across as a barnstorming air show. So it's uh, it, it's no small feat to do all that. Yeah, I would imagine that there's an enormous numbers uh, of details associated with each performance, uh, and that uh, working with the Blue Angels, there could be not only specifics related to safety for every facility, um, but are there oftentimes any special requests of the Blue Angels? Well, uh, n- not not necessarily in that vein, Ron. Uh, you know, when I was a Thunderbird, you know, people would ask, do you guys want red, white, and blue M&Ms, or do the Blue Angels want blue and yellow M&Ms? And it, it's nothing of that nature. But, but it, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a deep dive of the details with requirements to caring for the F-18s, to caring for all the support equipment. Um, we have a support engine that comes in that supports all of that. And so it's, it's a very busy type of thing. It's, it's really about a a 60 or 70 page manual that addresses all of the uh, all the requirements that they need. Uh, you can't take 50 or 60 people on the road every week and just sort of haphazardly agree and say, hey, let's just get a hotel, but uh, we sort of look at all that items. Uh, let's go through that again. You said 50 or 60 people. Who are those 50 or 60 people? Are they the, the core group that travels as part of uh, an air show and the air show that is here uh, in Rome this weekend, uh, it, it, those 50 or 60 people are here for this weekend, and next weekend most of those folks will be at another show? That, that's exactly right, Ron. The, the, the Blue Angels and, and, and all the, 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 the jet teams travel with not only the pilots and the aircraft, but they have a a whole myriad of support personnel from mechanics to public affairs individuals to life support folks that work with their uh, flight equipment the helmets and so on and so forth and so it, it's a it's a pretty magical thing to take all of that on the road every week uh, just two weeks ago they were performing at uh, at fleet week in san francisco and then at miramar um, marine air base in san diego and so it it's not a an easy feat to, to wrap all that up and take it out every week. It's a, it's a pretty special thing to see that happen. Yeah, let's uh, drill down for just a moment because uh, y- y- the Thunderbirds would have had a, a very similar team that traveled with them or, or still do. Uh, and you mentioned uh, mechanics, for example, and a lot of people probably don't give much thought to the fact that there's the these highly sophisticated flying machines that require some very sophisticated mechanics, and that in fact, day to day, all over the world, those sophisticated mechanics are working with the various armed services to ensure that our flying machines uh, get up and stay up off the ground. Uh, unlike uh, uh, ground transportation, which can be demanding, it's a little bit different when it comes to uh, aircraft, and and so. Are those teams required to sometimes make major adjustments to the uh, aircraft uh, prior to the performance? They, they really are, Ron. I, I, I consider, I know when I flew fighter aircraft, I, I consider those guys that are turning the wrenches and are 
making sure the fluid levels are, are all taken care of, our engine mechanics. They, they really are the, the heroes of what we do. We, we pilots, they let us borrow these airplanes for about an hour every day, but those are the guys that really own them, and they, uh, they do all the elbow grease and so many other things. They, they'll spend, uh, you know, several hours preparing these planes, and we, we really put our hands in their lives. And so while you may see a, a pilot flying a plane, there's probably a dozen folks that have touched those planes all through the day to make sure they're ready to go. And um, so they, they really are the, the heroes of the, of the weekend. You know, Rob, you, uh, you, you said that very much uh, like the humble, appreciative guy that I sense that you are. Uh, uh, being appreciative of the support team that goes into getting the aircraft off the ground and, and as you say, uh, getting to fly them for an hour or so. Uh, and we're going to get into that. I, I, I have sensed uh, for many years that uh, some of our military uh, pilots, uh, military in general, but certainly the pilots, um, have a uh, an almost uh, Boy Scout quality. And, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about character uh, a little bit later in, in this segment. But right now, I want you to 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 go back. I think that a lot of our listeners are always fascinated with when the first seeds of whatever profession, whatever career that uh, a person ends up in, when those first seeds are are planted, and can you can you take us uh, back to when you first became interested in aviation? Were you a, a young boy, and 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 what was going on? A uh, great question, Ron. You know, uh, for me personally, um, it it was as a youngster and. Uh, I remember my dad um, was traveling for a, a one-day meeting. Um, uh, it was a several-hour drive, and so one of our individuals in our community offered to fly him to this one-day meeting uh, from the Rome, Georgia area over to North Carolina. And uh, my dad, in a, in, a, uh, in a very wise decision, said, uh, how'd you like to stay out of school and go flying over to this meeting with me for the day? And I remember... Uh, obviously, I jumped at the chance to do that, and uh, it was a magical moment. It was a really something that implanted in me the desire to um, to take on that flying uh, track, if you will. Uh, I remember watching the pilot go through the checks, go through all the required uh, um, tests that he did with the equipment, and then obviously to to take that beautiful flying machine in the air and, you know, to fly over the North Georgia mountains across into South Carolina and North Carolina, um, I, I was just in awe. And uh, so for me, I was hooked at that moment and um, and then began pursuing things um, along the educational route that, that led me on into a further career of aviation, you know, science, technology, engineering, mechanics, and that sort of thing. And so that was what planted the seed for me was just that one little first flight. And so now as a flight instructor and as a professional airline pilot, um, I, I really, and then obviously having done this in the Air Force with the Thunderbirds as well and the Blue Angels do just as good a job, when we have the chance to interact with, with youth, um, you never know what kind of a seed you're going to plant for years down the road. And so uh, I, I take that to heart very seriously. Yes, I would imagine uh, that there are thousands, uh, starting off with millions of young boys and girls these days who are 
uh, enthralled with with flying, have uh, toy airplanes, uh, and envision maybe that one day they might be able to fly. In your case, it, it became a reality. But I'm 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 fascinated with the fact that from that first flight, you were even uh, attentive. You were engaged with the preparation you know the the attention to detail of the flight of the instruments and so that all aspects and not just the flying which was the bonus you know flying over the north georgia mountains and the north carolina mountains must have been a real thrill and then the sensation so uh, that must have been like a the equivalent of of a of a of a year of of study all in one uh event it must have been a really intense it was and those are those moments you know there's very few moments in in life and I, i'm sure uh many of your listeners would attest to this who've gone on the very successful careers um they can probably trace back something um to their specific uh, area of expertise that uh solidified their desire to do that to accomplish that their passion for whatever they did. Obviously, nothing substitutes for hard work. You, you simply have to put in the, the hard work of hours and effort and learning and testing and failure, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it, it all goes back to kind of that seeding moment of, of what really drives you. Uh, you know, a gentleman that my dad worked for for 30-plus for years uh, uh, had, a, had a comment. He said, you know, if you find something you love doing uh, in, in your career, you'll never have to a day in your life, and so um, I, I feel incredibly lucky, lucky, incredibly fortunate to have found that in aviation and, and to be able to, to go to work every day. I still pinch myself, you know, when we get airborne and we, we're flying up uh, in, into wherever we're going, and um, you, you get a chance to experience and do what you love every day. Well, you know, speaking for uh, all of us who are uh, repressed uh, uh, pilots, uh, we 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 want you to we want you to have that feeling when you uh, each time when you go up in the air, uh, and glad to hear that you do. We're going to be taking a break. We're here with Rob Skelton, who is the liaison with the Blue Angels and a former Thunderbird uh, pilot. We're going to be talking more about uh, flying and about uh, this weekend's air show at the Rome uh, Airport, the Russell Regional Airport in Rome, Georgia. We'll be back after this break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2.
With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Rob Skelton, a former Thunderbird Air Force pilot and the current liaison with the Blue Angels for the current show at the Russell Regional Airport this weekend in Rome, Georgia. Uh, By the way, if you uh, get a chance, uh, get up to Rome, Georgia, and you can see the Blue Angels perform, I believe it's between 3 and 4, both on Saturday and on Sunday. Is that correct? It, it it will be Ron plus or minus a few minutes. It's a, uh, we we have the Blue Angels scheduled as our last performer each day, and so the flying will begin around noon, and we'll have an incredible lineup. The gates open at nine, and just an incredible array of static display aircraft from uh, vintage airplanes uh, dating back to the uh, to World War Two to to current modern day trainers and and other aircraft. So. Uh, an incredibly uh, family-friendly event uh, up at the Richard B. Russell Airport, wings over North Georgia. Um, I um, uh, might add uh, the listeners uh, will be in for a real treat if they've never been to an air show, particularly the caliber of the uh, the show this weekend. What you get to see on the ground is just really, really mind-boggling. Uh, there's always uh, this incredible range of, of aircraft, and, and uh, I, I know it might have been a little different in Paris when I went uh, a couple of years back to the Paris Air Show that was on uh, Le Bourget, uh, and uh, it uh, it had just a, a really tremendous display of, of uh, fighter planes and drones and, and uh uh, other kinds of transport uh, aircraft, which which brings me to this question, Rob: uh, it, Which what aircraft travel with the the uh, Blue Angels team? Other than the uh, is it the F eighteen Hornet that they're flying? That's correct, Ron. The the, the Blue Angels are are indeed flying the F eighteen Hornet, which is a Navy frontline fighter aircraft. Uh, these have obviously uh, had a new paint job put on it. They're not painted gray. They're pointed uh, very pretty blue and yellow, and um, we'll have a C-130 aircraft on display. We'll have a P-51 Mustang, obviously, from from vintage Warbird, uh, World War II days, uh, an F-4U Corsair, uh, and then a, a, a myriad of, uh, of current-day aerobatic planes that uh, are being flown by folks like Rob Holland, who you're going to visit with uh, here shortly, uh, and so uh, an incredible array of, of both little aerobatic planes to a C-130 jump plane. We're going to have uh, some uh, special operations guys do our flag jump and uh, do a paradrop for us. So uh, an incredibly uh, a, a vast array of, uh, of airplanes are going to be with us this weekend. Now, now most of the shows that are uh, done regionally, like the one at the Russell Regional Airport, uh, is it primarily American aircraft that, uh, that can be seen? It, it, it just depends from location to location. So many folks across the country uh, do indeed own uh, airplanes that have been featured in, in foreign service, whether it's a, a MiG-17 jet or, uh, or a Yak-52 uh, aerobatic airplane. Again, that's uh, an old Eastern Bloc uh, 
design and build. So it, it really just depends. And obviously, we're not the only air show in, in, in the country this weekend. Um, there's an air show in Houston, Texas, and I'm sure there's air shows in other regions. And so um, the air show industry looks at all of that, and it's, it's, it's not a large scheduling organization, but we just look at who's available who's traveling in what part of the country and uh, and who can we schedule each each particular year you know you would have probably seen these air aircraft up close somewhere maybe at an air show i i don't know uh, again i want to reference that paris air show where there were uh fighter planes from uh, aircraft manufacturers uh, all over the world uh i was quite surprised to see that the koreans uh produced some pretty sophisticated uh, uh, military aircraft, but also the Europeans uh, uh, produced their uh, Eurofighter, and uh, I got to see that Rafale, uh, that is their current, I guess, uh, leading uh, performance uh, military fighter aircraft, um, uh, would you like to try to fly something like another country's uh, aircraft? Are you, do you, are you a guy who's like driving this really uh, big block Porsche, and then you look over and you see this uh, other guy in a, uh, a, 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 a an M series BMW that you thought, oh, that might be fun to fly. Do you ever get that feeling? Absolutely. You know, I think in, in every fighter pilot, there's probably a race car driver that's uh, that's repressed in there, and you, you see one that's just a little shinier, maybe a little bit faster, maybe maneuvers just a little bit differently. And, uh, you know, I, I think when fighter pilots die and, and you go to fighter pilot heaven somewhere, that they have every airplane and every inventory that's available for you to go out and fly. And so um, it, it's it's been a real wonderment of mine you know to travel around the world uh as the thunderbird and then obviously with my time at the service and and get to interact with foreign services and so it's um you, you hit the nail on the head every pilot loves every other airplane well uh, uh i'd be willing to wager a bet that uh, there are more race car drivers who wished that they were uh fighter pilots <laughs> than there are fighter pilots who uh, wish they were race car drivers or at least it's got to be somewhat mutual um, and pretty you, even, pretty pretty even. And, and you might want to hang out with Rob Holland because uh, I was reading about Rob Holland's experience with various aircraft, and it it said something like uh, he's flown over 175 different aircraft. Is, is that amazing? It, it it is, and and you know once you really truly learn how how to airplanes, you know you know obviously you learn in your basic training how airplanes work, but when you really get to a level of detail that's as extreme and as accurate and precise as Rob's, you know, it takes just a little while to really learn how to make that airplane do what you want it to do. And so um, it, it's so impressive to see our civilian counterparts that, that operate and perform and make these planes re- really seeing like a, a, an expert violinist with a, uh, w- with a, a very fine, you know, piece of instrument that can, can make that instrument do exactly what, what he or she wants it to do. Well, speaking of uh, flying uh, precisely and and flying sophisticated military aircraft, uh, you trained as well with the Air Force. Uh, what kinds of planes did you train uh, the young up and coming fighter pilots in? 
I, I was fortunate to finish my career as an instructor in our T-38 aircraft, uh, Ron, which is the, the second phase of our, of our year-long of pilot training that we uh, send all new Air Force pilots to. And so that plane has been around for many decades, but it's, it's a proven workhorse, and it's, uh, it's a very precise plane to fly. We, we ask for that level of uh, expertise out of our new pilots as they're coming into the service. And so um, the ability to, to instruct them in that um, was, was, a real, was a real honor for a few years. You know, I had m- made the allusion to the fact that uh, a little bit ago um, I, I, I had the impression. That it was when you were sounding very humble and appreciative of the fact that you have this huge support team of people that uh, ensure that the aircraft can be flown safely and that you are the uh, the recipient you know you were bestowed with uh, the the privilege of 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 getting to fly the aircraft uh, for an hour when there are men and women who have labored for many hours and days and weeks uh, on a on a plane to make it uh, safe and uh, to and and functioning uh, at a at a high level uh, it's it's it speaks to the character of of uh, fighter pilots. Uh, I know it's a very uh, close fraternity. Uh, in fact, you and I talked uh, a little bit uh, prior to this um, broadcast, and 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 you 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 reinforced that notion of it being a, a close fraternity. But is your experience? Are you finding that that when or, or did you find when you were uh, teaching, instructing uh, the young pilots that they had that that uh, what I refer to as kind of a Boy Scout-like quality that there were high in morals and high, you know, just uh, that character uh, seemed to matter. It, it it absolutely does, and I think you'll find um, in in those that are currently and still remaining in service in the Air Force that uh, character really does matter, of, even above talent. Um, you know, you, you want those folks who are who are going to in the heat of in the heat of the moment that are going to make the right decision, and you know that that comes with character. That comes with with obviously um, you know high moral standards, the ability to be honest and and, and go through that. And so um, I, I I know when I um, was raised, uh, my my parents instilled that in me from from the very beginning. Uh, my time in scouting, my time in that and. This is not necessarily promoting that, but it, it speaks to the level of character and leadership, and that can be developed across an array of, of different activities. School government, you know, and our youngsters, athletics, band, um, church activities, etc. And it, it, it helps develop that character. Um, I, I'd rather see an individual with great character that can learn the skill. Um, you still have to have good hands and, and the ability to, to fly airplanes, but um, that character really... Speaks, uh, speaks volumes about who a person really is. Well, I, I, I know that, <clears throat> I, I believe a lot of people feel as I do that uh, the men and women that we put into our multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar collectively um, aircraft, military aircraft, and that are, are keeping America safe and keeping the world safe, we want them to be the kind of people that can make a split ses- section, split second decision about taking out a target, but but also to have a conscience, to have uh, uh, a strength of character, uh, uh, you know, and uh, and and those are the people that I I believe deserve 
to be our military pilots, and you're one of them. Uh, tell us uh, really quickly, we have 30 seconds, uh, you, you uh, are dedicating a statue, speaking of uh, military uh, pilots. We, we just finished that. Uh, one, of them, one of Rome's uh, sons is, uh, was a retired Navy Admiral, Admiral John H. Towers. Um, he went on to lead naval aviation. He was the very third naval aviator ever in 1908. And so uh, he uh, led the NC missions, which is the first group of Navy planes to fly across the Atlantic. And so we had the chance to dedicate a memorial statue to him this morning in downtown Rome. And so a really neat uh, feature with his grandchildren uh, able to be there in attendance. Well, Rob, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. And uh, best of luck to you and to the Blue Angels team and to uh, having blue skies uh, throughout your future um, as a pilot. I can't say thank you very much. Thank you for having us and the chance to be with you this morning, Ron. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rob. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and and I am delighted to have for the second half of the program Rob Holland, who's one of the world's most decorated and inventive, innovative, highly respected air show performing pilots. Welcome to the Business Hour, Rob. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, I, I should say here at the top of the program that if listeners want to learn more or follow along, uh, they can go to www.ultimateairshows.com. Uh, is there any other place? Uh, can they Google just uh, Rob Holland and find YouTube videos of you as well, Rob? Yeah, if they, uh, if they punch my name in on YouTube, there's a bunch of videos that come up. Or they can go on my Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com forward 
slash Cultimate Air Shows, and there's a lot of information and videos and pictures on there also. Yeah, I'd uh, suggest that they just uh, Google uh, Rob Holland uh, aerobatic pilot, and they probably uh, will be treated to some uh, really, uh, really good information and, and visuals, um, as I was. Um, Listen, I apologize in advance if I'm going to make you blush at all uh, for reading just a portion um, uh, of your achievements. Uh, and if there's something that I, I, I missed that you particularly are proud of, uh, please don't hesitate to add that. But you were a seven-time winner of the U.S. National Aerobatic Championships. Is that correct? And they were consecutive yeah, years. And that, yeah, that is a record. Yeah, exactly. Just... We just had a uh, national championships in September, and so I'm, I'm still currently the U.S. national Olympic champion because I won it again. Um, and I'm, we're, we're going to go back and, and reference some of these, but I want to continue on. You are an eight-time U.S. national freestyle aerobatic champion. Is that correct? That's correct. A four-time world freestyle aerobatic champion, a... Yep. 2015 World Air Games Freestyle Gold Medalist. Now, was that a team uh, activity? No, that was an invitational um, individual activity at the uh, World Air Games. And you were a member of the U.S. aerobatic team that won the a gold medal. That was a separate uh, Yes, in uh, 2008 we won the gold medal. And you were the 2012 uh, recipient of the Art uh, Show award for showmanship and and uh we'll reference that one a little bit later but i want to point out to the listeners any winning any one of these uh accolades uh, being a champion in any one of these competitions is really quite something rob what you've done is rack up an amazing array of championships and also to do the to do it consecutively, as in the case of the being the seven-time winner of the U.S. National Aerobatic Championships, that's really quite a feat, and and it's been an unsurpassed feat. It was unsurpassed when you were uh, a six-time winner, but now that you're a seven-time winner, it's as if you're uh, Babe Ruth uh, with a, a home run uh, average and uh, pulling away from the crowd. Um, what does it take, Rob, to 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 do this year after year after year are you learning things that that you that, that become uh, almost automatic and so you're able to move on to some new level of uh, discipline and and skill and uh, in some cases creative flying well I mean you use one of the key words there is a lot of discipline involved in it and um, basically I've just I've kind of dedicated my life to flying and, and aerobatics, and my goal has always been to just be the best pilot that I can be. And one of the beauties of aviation is that you can never know everything. There's always rooms for improvement. There's always ways to get better. There's always new things to learn. So I'm just on this eternal quest to keep learning and keep improving and self-improving. Um, the neat thing about aerobatics is, is that it's it's not a defensive when, with competition, I can't affect what other people do in their cockpit. So the only thing I can do is go out there and fly the absolute best that I can and hope that I flew better than I did last time. And as long as I flew better than I did last time, in my mind, you know, that's that's an accomplishment. But if the cards land where that happens to be better than everybody else's flies, then obviously that's a nice added bonus. 
So share with listeners the difference between uh, the aerobatic uh, competition and the freestyle aerobatic competitions. So there's two competitions. The Loosely we refer to the, the just the straight aerobatics as the classical side of it. It's really about precision and accuracy in the presentation. Um, doing perfect lines, centering rolls right in the middle of the lines, and just making the perfect aerobatic figures within the sequence that you're flying. And it's actually judged a lot like um, figure skating. Everything has a K value of what it's worth. Every figure starts with 10 points. They take 10 points away. Multiply that by the K factor, and that's how many points you get for for the figure. The freestyle is more air showish type flying, um, smoke and music. And it's the way I kind of compare the two, it's, one is figure skating, the other one is ice capades. It's about putting on a show for the judges, wowing them, and uh, just doing being as spectacular as you can to you know try to impress the judges and, and win the contest. And, and Rob, are there people who uh, specialize in only one or the other, but not necessarily both as you do? Yeah, I would say the majority of competition pilots just do the classical. Not a lot of them. I mean, probably at a world championship, if there's 60 pilots, maybe 20 of them actually do the freestyle. So the freestyle is more of a specialty thing. And as you said, uh, you've, you've committed your life, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, about how far back it, you you go as a, as a pilot, as a talented pilot, as a young, talented pilot. Um, but um, what do you think uh, allows you to be an innovative freestyle pilot? So uh, I guess a lot of it's my mindset. I'm, I'm always trying to push the envelope. I'm always trying to think of new things. Um, when I was first getting into the sport, um, a few prominent people in the industry actually told me that all the aerobatic maneuvers have been invented. It's just a matter of rehashing them for your own show. And that never sat well with me. I mean, there's always something new to do. There's always something new to think of. So I've always tried to think outside the box, um, try to come up with new stuff. It's amazing how many things you try and realize, okay, that will never work. But eventually you strike on something that does work. And I actually spend a lot of time watching other people fly, note what they do, and then purposely try to not do that, just to be different and come up with new stuff. You mentioned uh, uh, music. Is there uh, are there a couple of uh, favorite pieces that you like to perform to? Um, so, th- like for my air show, the music it's constantly changing. It's um, yeah, the air show is about putting on a show. It's about entertaining the crowd. It's about trying to inspire people and maybe hopefully show them things that they've never seen an airplane do before. So the music kind of evolves with the show, whatever's popular at the time, to really get people you know into it. Well, so it's, well I don't you- think there's a particular piece. Well, is, is there is there one or two that that come to mind? Because actually, what you're doing is you're you're almost dancing in the sky to the music. There's kind of an interplay. Um, anything that you heard and you said, "Wow, I'd like to fly to that." Um, no. Well, so honestly, the we actually try to choreograph the music to the show, and not the show to the music. Uh huh. So, which is it's actually kind of a difficult way to do it because you got to sit down and listen to a lot of pieces of music that fit it to the show but one of the interesting things that you bring that up 
Um, I'm a, I play a little bit of guitar on the side. I wouldn't say I'm a great guitar player, but I, I love the instrument. I love playing in my spare time. One of my big influences is um, the band Van Halen. And Eddie Van Halen, the way he plays guitar, which is very not normal, it's not the classical way to do it, um, it's a little bit off the wall and very inventive. And I've actually kind of made my flying style almost the way around he plays guitar. And it's really hard, I guess, to explain that, but just trying to be different, trying to be inventive, and trying to come up with new things. No, I think that's really a beautiful reference, Rob, actually. I mean, in some sense, you're kind of the Van Halen of... Uh aerobatic uh, uh flying and you know I, I don't want to be too carried away with that but uh i i i i hope you might agree with that um yeah, well i try <laughs> <laughs> well i saw a performance i i had referenced in the first half hour uh the paris air show um and 2009 and i saw a a, a woman pilot she was with in a bi-wing aircraft uh that had a an, a, a really um acrobatic quality to it uh, uh you know aerobatic but also acrobatic and it was so light it seemed it was it was like a feather moving in the sky and she had a uh, a classical piece that seemed to work with it perfectly and I, I i don't recognize the piece but uh as you just mentioned it might be that she had the the maneuvers to which uh a uh it was scored um, with the music, but it's when I became aware of that interplay between uh, the uh, the the motion and, and the imagery and the sound. And uh, I think it's really uh, cool that uh, you should be a guitarist, that you should like uh, a premier guitarist like Eddie Van Halen's uh, guitar playing, and uh, that uh, that that probably influences your flying. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, it's it's amazing where you can draw inspiration from. It doesn't actually have to be from, you know, the whatever it is you're doing. You can draw in outside influences and and it, bring that inspiration into what you do. Well, you know, in this case, you're a true master, and you're drawing from uh, another uh, true master. And in fact, you you have been awarded. We mentioned this uh, up front, the Art Show Award for Showmanship. Uh, how do you? Um, characterize what they're looking for in showmanship and then how would you characterize uh, your style of showmanship? Um, so the Art Show Award, I mean, there's, a, there's a huge honor to get that. Um, you have to be someone from within the industry has to, or people need to nominate you for it. And then it goes before a committee and, and previous winners and they vote on who deserves the, um, the recognition that year. And it, it's the name kind of explains it all. It's based on showmanship. Um, someone who puts on a, a really good show or something that's inventive or different. Um, you know, different people went in different years for different reasons, but the underlying constant is that it's it's something new and exciting and different and, you know, something that the crowd really appreciates. Well, well that would seem to play into your strength for constantly trying to be uh, innovative. Uh, we're going to yep. take a break here, Rob. When we come back, I want to drill down a little bit because you mentioned dedicating your life, and you your flying years go way back. You exhibited talent at an early age, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're here with Rob Holland, who is one of the world's best aerobatic pilots, and we're going to be talking more with Rob, who is performing this weekend uh, at the Rome 
uh, air show, and we'll um, we'll re-mention that when we come back right after this break. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed, and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back with Rob Holland. You're listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. And we were talking with Rob about his, quite frankly, extreme aerobatic flying skills. And, Rob, I wanted to drill down. You know, I don't have... uh, uh, and Eddie Van Halen or Roger Federer to ask them when it was that they saw or what they heard, uh, what Eddie Van Halen, whose guitar playing he heard as a young child that influenced him, or or, or Roger Federer, who, wh- which tennis player, or which moment it was that he was in, uh, the seeds were planted. But I, I do have you, and you are a virtuoso in what you do, and I, I think a lot of people want to know when the seeds are planted for someone as skilled as you to be inspired or at least to take note and and so when was it rob that that you saw uh, a, a plane up in the air or you met a pilot what was it that began the path to what is uh, an obsession for you a, a good obsession well i mean honestly i've i've liked things that fly from as far back as i can remember and I, I honestly think that what sparked and started it was um, Star Wars. When the first Star Wars came out, seeing the Millennium Falcon and X-Wing fighters and just thinking that was the coolest thing ever. Of course, I was only three years old at the time. But um, I, I'd always been fascinated with anything that flew. Um, but then at a young age, my dad brought me to an air show. And um, I saw people flying upside down. I saw the Blue Angels. And I was just completely awestruck. It was just the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And right then and there, I realized, okay, that's 
that's what I'm going to do with my life. I was just on a mission from that point on to, to become an air show performer. I, I stumbled into competition a little bit later, but, but just to fly aerobatics and to, uh, you know, see the world inverted. How old were you at that first air show? Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember how old I was. I was probably 10 so, or 11 years old. I was pretty young. So uh, did you have little uh, airplanes that you played with as a child as well? Oh, always. I've, I always had toy airplanes. You know, the biggest difference is, you know, before before that air show, I had a bunch of toys and, and models, and then after that air show, all the models were hanging upside down from the ceiling. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I could, I could see that that air show, uh, played, uh, it's, it's much like, uh, Rob Skelton mentioning that his first flight at about the same age with a friend of his father's, you know, uh, it was his first time up in a air, aircraft and it was a private, uh, small plane flying over the North Georgia mountains and North Carolina mountains and it, he took it all in, uh, the way that you did the, uh, the air show that you went to, uh, few people, get to see something like that be enthralled be consumed with it and then pursue it uh as a as a profession and take it to the level that you have um walk us through what happened when you actually began on that path to flying when did lessons begin and when did you start exhibiting uh, a, a talent for flying was it on the first takeoff so you know, I didn't do a lot of actual flying um, until I was 18 and went to college. I went to Denny Orbs College in New Hampshire and joined their aviation program. Uh, before that, I did a couple flights here and there, just rides, but I just, quite frankly, I just didn't have the money to start taking lessons yet. And then when I went to college, I started learning how to fly. And I was in this weird spot where I knew I wanted to fly air shows. That's, that's what the mission was. I just didn't know how to get there. I didn't know what the path was. So my original intention was to do what I thought everyone else does, and you get your ratings and you become a flight instructor and then eventually become an airline pilot, and then hopefully you can make enough money to buy an aerobatic airplane and you start getting into it. So I started going down that path, but at the same time, anything that I could get my hands on that could legally go upside down, I'd, I'd fly. So I started aerobatics right away. And then it took a while to actually stumble into being able to fly air shows, um, but when I got there, I already had quite a backlog of um, aerobatic experience at the time, and I just kept building upon that. And I think one of the things that was a little bit different about me is most people that get in aerobatics, they take a lot of formal instruction. So they learn basically what somebody else is teaching them. And I didn't really have the money for aerobatic instruction, so I did exactly what I tell everybody else not to do. And um, I read the books, I tried to be really smart about it, but I was for aerobatics, it was basically self-taught, and I think that helped with being somewhat creative with it and not just doing what somebody else showed me how to do, but coming up with my own stuff along the way. So would you say that one of the reasons that uh, you are, are, are really as skilled and uh, as uh, highly awarded as you are is that you're a, a real student of the of uh, this this area of disciplined uh, flying and that you've built on the disciplined classical part of it to add uh, sort of an innovative dimension (coughs) and that even some of the things that you read 
might have come into play, although being in the cockpit and and uh, you know we, we use that term flying by the seat of your pants, but really it's got to be very largely a lot of the feel. Is that true that 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 it's the feel of a particular maneuver, and then you have to achieve that feel again? Yeah. So the interesting thing is, like, someone will see me at an air show and say I do a particular move maneuver. And they think, wow, that's that's cool, that's crazy. But all they see is the end result. They don't see what it takes to get to that point. And stuff that I put in my air show, I will only put it in the actual air show if it works and it's predictable and you know, all the perimeters are met 110% of the time. And what it takes to get to that point might be years. There's times where I'll, I'll think up something to do with an airplane, and I'll literally just think about it for months. Think about what what can I do to the controls to manipulate the airplane to do that? What are the aerodynamics? What are the gyroscopics from the prop? What do I need to do with the engine? What could it develop into? What could go wrong? How do you fix that? And just think about it, think about it, think about it. And then finally I'll go up and try in the airplane, obviously at higher altitudes to have some safety margin. And I might work on it for a year, two years, before, before it finally gets to the point where it's just, you know, it's, it's like walking. You don't have to think about it. And that's when it gets put into an air show. And that's when people see it and they see the end result. But a lot of don't see what actually goes into to doing that. Yeah, it sounds like you are um, have been a student of uh, aerobatic flying for a long time and that you're a very disciplined uh, uh, student that takes it uh, into the practical uh, realm. Um, do you uh, videotape your performances and critique them? Um, sometimes. It, it kind of depends upon who I have there, and they have to have a camera. Um, the nice thing about air shows in this day and age is you fly an air show, you wait a week, you jump on YouTube, and somebody in the crowd videotapes it. So, right. right. Uh, but but I do. I do. Um, I, w- <laughs> I watch my flying a lot, but it's not just to watch myself fly and go, oh, how great is that? It's actually to look for the mistakes or look for the timing's not right on that, or I can tighten this up and make it more exciting. It's a constantly evolving and constant self-critique to make it better. Yeah, it sounds like you're you're, you're getting into uh, the details of the maneuvers, uh, and I'm wondering, you know, you, you it's as if you're choreographing what you're, what you're going to try to do and uh, building on what you have done in the past and being very disciplined about it and trying it over and over. Um, what is it in, in, or is it all of the above that you think gives you the edge? Um, probably all of the above. You know, one of the most common questions I get is, what's my favorite maneuver? And the answer usually is the entire show. Because to me, the challenge is the choreography of the whole show from start to finish, keeping the whole thing entertaining, constantly going and keeping people's attention. So in every maneuver in a routine is based on the maneuver before or after it because energy states have to work and positioning and there's a lot of factors that go into doing a figure to make everything else in the sequence work. So the choreography and trying to develop that perfect sequence, which doesn't exist, there's no such thing as a perfect one, we're always shooting for it, trying to find it. That's that's the excitement for me. That's that's the uh, that's the real joy for me is trying to put all that together. Yeah, well, it, it would seem, uh, Rob, that uh, you um, put it together uh, in, a, in a very, very um, uh, 
uh, highly disciplined way, and uh, that um, you're 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 just you're pushing the envelope. I, I you know we spent uh, part of the time in the first uh, segment talking about uh, how um, and I and you and I talked or uh, rather we exchanged emails about uh, how I thought that uh, many pilots were like the uh, modern superheroes of uh, today. Uh, it, and the kind of thing that young boys and girls aspire to do, as you did, um, and uh, and 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 you've pulled it off. Um, and now you also have to have a support team. And in your case, uh, the aircraft itself is something that is is a star, uh, or at least a big part of your uh, success. So, tell us about the uh, MXS RH that you fly. It's an amazing feat of engineering. Uh, it's an all-carbon fiber airplane. It's built right here in the United States. It's very light. It's uh, just under 1,200 pounds and uh, has 385 horsepower. It's incredibly agile. Um, there's a lot of custom stuff on it that are different from a stock MX, which is why it's a dash RH. They put my initials on it because of all the modifications that I came up with for it. Um, but it's an amazing airplane. You know, it's And these planes that... To really get into it the way that I can do it, you never get in the airplane, you, you put the airplane on. You just kind of wear it like you put on a pair of pants and it becomes an extension of yourself. And the way I try to describe it to people, you know, when you're when you're walking, you don't tell your pants what to do, they just kind of come along with you. And that's the kind of the state you want to get to with the airplane. I think of, I want to go there, I want to do this, I want to move in this way, and I just bring the airplane along with me. But it's, it's an amazing airplane, it's a lot of fun to fly. And um, just if I can think of it, usually this airplane is able to do it. Well, um, you've got to be incredibly uh, and feel incredibly uh, appreciative and fortunate to be able to work with the uh, MX aircraft uh, folks uh, to come up with something that you helped uh, design uh, because it, it does sound like that's part of what gives you an edge is, is being one with your aircraft. And I have to say that... Uh, uh, I, you know, we've got some very highly skilled uh, other pilots uh, performing, but I bet they all stop to watch you because I, I, I bet they have a lot of respect for what you're able to do. You know, it's, uh, it's the amazing thing about air shows is this, there's a lot of really talented people out there. And like the show we're having this weekend in Rome, it's, it's going to be a fantastic show, but there's a diversity of pilots and acts. We have a jet-powered glider, we have a gentleman in a biplane, we have the Blue Angels, we have skydivers, we have myself. So it's really a bunch of different aspects of aviation showcased for the public and some incredible pilots. So I think we actually all draw inspiration from each other. And quite honestly, I'm still as much as I fly air shows, I'm still a fan of air shows. I'm still the guy that stops and looks up and watches the airplane fly. Well, that's uh, that's really nice to hear. Uh, for listeners, you can see Rob performing uh, between twelve o'clock and four p.m. Uh, both Saturday and Sunday. And Rob, I wish you all the best. Uh, have a, a great performance uh, tomorrow and Sunday. And uh, uh, I'm gonna. I can't make it this weekend, but I'm gonna come and find you at, at an air show because I'm very inspired just listening to you. Uh, thank you for taking the time for coming on to the Business Hour. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.